my first hard awareness that I something wasn't right or now looking back at it was looking at the chalkboard and you were supposed to write down the 10 words that were up there. And then trying to remember now, you, there's a word across that I see triggers, okay? I can see the word triggers, but if I had to spell that word down, I'd be looking at it and trying to go triggers. I couldn't, if I didn't know what a syllable was, I would forget what the, my, that working memory for that portion of it. Would, I wouldn't be I, at least four, five, six times before I could get that word written down. ADHD Rewired, episode 143. This is the show designed for those of us with really good intentions, but a slightly wandering attention. My name is Eric Tivers. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, coach, and speaker. The website is ADHDrewired.com. We know that starting is the hardest part, so let's get started. But first, let me tell you about this. Hey there, ADHD Rewired listeners. I am looking for guests for the podcast. If you are interested in being a guest for the show, go to ADHDrewired.com and find the microphone icon. There's a blue button there that says, be a guest. Schedule a 15-minute interview with me. So we'll discuss topics that we can explore on the show, figure out technology to make sure you sound great, and uh, I look forward to talking with you. You know, ADHD Rewired, we are stories, we are strategies, we share science. So if you have an area of expertise that you want to offer or your story, I want to talk to you. Go to ADHDrewired.com and you could be featured on an upcoming episode. If you're catching this episode on the day that it came out, November 22nd, today is the final day of early registration for the next ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Group starting this January. Check the websites. Go to coachingrewired.com to see if there are any spots available. Registration will reopen December 19th. You can schedule that call now. If you want to grow beyond the podcast and you have a desire to connect with people who share your same struggles, then sign up for the coaching group because it'll totally change your life. It'll move you forward and it's absolutely worth it. From the group, I have realized that what's going on in my head is not just me. I'm not the only one. I really did have a pivotal change in my perspective. It's kind of mind-blowing, but it has been a really amazing experience. This has given me strength and renewed hope and confidence. I've gotten more done in the last 10 weeks than I expected to get done all summer. I've made so much more progress than I've ever been able to do. Registration is by appointment only. Register between December 19th and December 30th. You can reserve your spot now. Go to coachingrewired.com to learn more and to schedule your call. That's coachingrewired.com. For more sensitive listeners, there's a couple of swears that come in at about the hour mark. Enjoy. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of ADHD Rewired. Today, we have in the not virtual studios, but actually in my office, is a former client and who, as much as 
I'm almost uncomfortable saying it because we were, you know, as a social worker, I was trained that you don't become friends with your clients. Kim Denny, who I'm happy to say is my friend, as well as my landscaper and designer. And um, what else are you? Yeah, all the things above. And I think we uh, play well off of each other and ask questions, good questions. So um, I met Kim about five or six years, six ago. years ago. Um, you were seeking some help. You were thinking you might have ADHD. I was curious to what was going on. I mean, it was my grandson that had been my daughter searched out some help for my grandson. And so it was all about him. And of course, then she says, well, dad, maybe you ought to check. And so I started trying to figure out what was wrong with me. And is there really something wrong with you or is there not something wrong with you? It just seems like I'm different, right? So that's when I searched out to try and find out, uh, get a better understanding. And I already knew that I had this failure issue going on because I was failing at everything I did, at least that was my perception of it. So that is when I came in and we sat, Eric, and you... Uh, you chatted with me a couple of times, and then I turned into a puddle of tears several times as we started communicating. That's an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you very much. Yeah, that was an emotional turmoil time because first becoming aware uh, that, that you're ADD or that there's something that was specific and that if I had fixed it all those years ago, I could be like, kind of normal and I wouldn't have hurt all the people that I did and I would have not had all these failures that I perceived as failures and it just was um yeah it was an emotional time right you know something that I've always um been sort of intrigued by what came with you is so you have this business that you've been doing for how long yeah 51 years this year Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's family business. So, but still 51 you've been, years. You've been running it for you know, at least uh, 38, 40 years. Yeah. You have a pretty sizable uh, um, yeah. staff people that yeah. you employ. Uh, we're down, uh, we're down a little bit now, but we've had over 72 to 75 people. And uh, during a number of years, 30 some plus people. And it's pretty, that's significant in the landscape, but there's always somebody bigger. Right. So, and so being that you've been in business for so long, you know, it says, you know, a, a lot just about your ability to, to stay in business. I know there's been times where you weren't sure how you were going to make payroll and you weren't sure how you're going to pay the bank and all these things. And it seems like every time you were in this frantic state of this is the end of the business, it has never been the end of the business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a resilience there someplace, I guess. Um, and you have a lot of ideas and mm -hmm. you've taken many of those ideas and and sort of created these branches mm -hmm. of your business. So your primary business is a, is a landscaping design. Correct. Business. Yes. I remember um, you invited me to your office once to, mm -hmm. uh, um, I think it was both, I was going to help you sort of organize your office, but we were also going to share some design ideas for, for my yard and for, for my home. And watching the way you took that pen or pencil to that, that big piece of paper and just sketched this it was like you were in this flow and like everything just became one piece of it was one element to you and just <laughs> you could see like you could do the stuff in your sleep mm -hmm. and i'm sitting here floored by just watching you work and create and i'm pretty sure you were saying something about yeah but i can't you know if, if i can just get this to, to the design or to being cad or if i can just do it and i was 
it was I was floored by how almost diminishing you were regarding mm. that skill that I mean truly you're a gifted designer. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, it comes very, very, I mean, the way you see you were over at my, my house last week and sort of you know, sharing some ideas with me about how to, it's like, you would never think about a, uh, something in your front yard and how it actually connects to the design element of something in your backyard. Like, but that's how you think. <laughs> and like, it makes sense to me when you explain it. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I find is so cool is the way you teach and mm. how you get excited about sharing <laughs> information. And so, you know, the biggest stresses that I've seen from you are, you know, things about like making payroll, getting out an invoice, um, actually like sending the paper document plan, you know. And I would always ask you, well, why are you doing that? Do you have an answer for that yet? Oh, well, well, um, yeah, I think, you, you know, you, you certainly plowed me in with a whole bunch of hits there. I, you know, it's in the, uh, the uh, being able to accept that I've done anything good when you feel not so good about yourself is a really hard thing to do sometimes because you got all these failures that you got going on, right? The, the ones invoices that you didn't do. Um, but I have, I've got somebody else now working with me, Rick, who's in the office and he's, he's really, um, uh, he's learning to become a designer more. And I think there's some, there's definitely skill that has to come in, but there's also some technique to it that can be taught. And, uh, I'm really allowing others around me to pick up more of that slack on there. And they, so they'll put in my, they'll do it. They'll do the invoices, put it in there, put it in my email or my, my, uh, my drafts. And all I have to do is say, hi, this is Kim and send it out. And I've got uh, two days to do it. And if I don't send it out in two days, they just send it out. So, uh, that's, that's happening a little more. That's good. Yeah, That's yeah good. it's it is. It's getting much better. What are some of the other sort of areas of improvement um, that you think you made in the business as far as your sort of system uh, um, improvements and oh, workflow improvements? Yeah. So I think that, well, you know, all my foremen have been with me 25 to 30 years. Mm -hmm. Okay. So just spending time with them, that language that we have, they can just go out and do stuff. You know, sometimes I'll change things up, but they really can. They can just take care of things. I don't have to be there in the morning, although I just thought I had to. Um, so it's been very, it's really developed, been an organic development if, from those, that, from that perspective. Um, I think that over the years, as we started working together, I started becoming more aware, and this is something I couldn't see, just like I can see at your landscape, these things that impact your landscape, you can look at uh, processes um, and I can then learn how to do or think differently about something and then i.e. releasing it. I, just like making a list and not making all nouns in the list. Okay. There's just little stuff like that. Actually putting a time element to it is something I've gotten better at. And it can just say, and I, I did one today. I did a brain dump today because we practiced brain dumping just what, a couple of days ago. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and I had forgotten about it. There's so much stuff we forget about how we are doing, which is part of the reason I've always got a, a better idea concept, you know? Um, because you forgot actually what you did first time. So you reinvent it. You get good at that, at hiding all that. And so I, um, I went back and did my brain dump and I put hours behind it. What I had to do by next Monday, cause I've got some very big presentations I got coming up here. I got, uh, 60, dollars $80,000 worth of presentations. I got to get by Monday, Tuesday. Okay. Actually, and based no. on your history that I know, you'll no. do it and you'll get it out. Well, I get it's it's uh, yeah. I, unfortunately, my best design concepts is when I haven't had a formal design and I've just, um, uh, and I've just been able to sketch the concept out. 
and develop it from that way. It's kind of like a, what if you decided to do that in your presentation? Yeah, so that's actually I've been going back to basics, and thank you. Um, I'm, I'm going back to basics and really grabbing a pencil when I'm out there and just getting the concept uh, together. Uh, the back in the day we used to have a, a garden center. We'd have twenty, thirty cars at any one time out there, and I'd be sitting there all day long uh, doing my drawings, and I could knock out, and I could knock out a fairly complex front entrance in about an hour or less. And it was just, but I still was getting way too detailed in how do you draw the circle. Uh, but now I can knock out a, a full backyard in a, I can knock out four or five concepts uh, just by using tissue paper. And the idea of using tissue paper, you're not committed. Hmm. So now I get a roll like, of like tissue Kleenex? paper. Well, in, in, in drawing, we have vellums, which is nice papers, and we okay. CAD and stuff. So I will draw a base up. And, uh, but tissue paper is a very, very thin paper. It comes in a long roll. And we call it, designers will call it trash paper. Okay. And I'll lay out this roll of trash paper. And I'll just do the roughest of areas. And I'll kind of lay over the top of the lines of what the, the house is. And I'll just get just enough to get a concept. I'll roll out through the next one. I can knock those out in about five minutes each one. If I do those, the customer sees eight or ten concepts. Each one is an exploratory not necessarily because I like it, but because there's rather a language that you can work with the customer. See, now this sidewalk comes out here, or this backyard's here, or here's your, here's your swimming pool. And this so is, does the, the material of that paper, does that help you be yeah. kind of quick about it? Yeah, yes, it does. It, it, mm. Because I'm not committed to it. I don't feel like I'm wasting it. I haven't, I haven't invested that much into it. You know, and that's a big deal because you're as a designer or anything else, you're, um, and I think this happens to many people in different areas. When you spend time on doing it and you create it, um, whatever you're creating, uh, whether you're a sign, a sign maker, or even if you're a writer, if you become emotionally invested into it, somebody wants to make a change on it. Now it's hard, <laughs> right? You know, so, oh my God, oh, I spent six hours trying to put that paragraph together to wordsmith this thing, you know, and all of a sudden now you do the same thing with design and, you know, because you've emotionally visualized it and it's you know, yours. Kim, I, and I used to be very much mm -hmm. that way. Yeah. And realizing, and I still identify myself as a perfectionist in recovery, mm -hmm. um, still, yeah. still working the steps. Yeah. yeah. Right. And what sort of knowing that about myself. Mm -hmm. Like what I've, it's given me so much freedom to say, yeah, even though, you know, a certain edit is being made that I wouldn't have done that way, like knowing the alternative of having it done exactly the way I sort of visioned it, like that becomes crazy making and nothing ever gets done. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And there is freedom into seeing, like letting things go. Like, so you have your idea out there and say even just 80% of your idea is what's carried out and, you know, something was either miscommunicated or someone has a different idea sort of about how to approach it and nothing bad happened as a result. It's like, oh, great. This, this is great. Well, that's actually a really big entrepreneurial issue for many entrepreneurs and business types. And, they, and they'll walk in and I've, because I've worked with many, as I work with larger uh, clientele mm -hmm. and, uh, and we're, we've now gone from the little subdivision home into something that's rather much more significant uh, lakefront properties in lake forest you know on lake michigan <laughs> yeah it's you know but these people are very much control freaks about what they're doing uh but once they get a vision in there they commit to the vision by th thinking uh, it's my job is to keep them from committing to the vision okay 
and uh, so they can be open about it. And then they can, now they can see different things. And it's, I think that's the luxury we have as an ADDers is because we don't have that uh, imprint, right, of, um, of this is exactly what it is. You either get hyper-focused and now that's it, or you, it's another thought. So when you start it again, you always got a new idea. Like, where do you put all the things in the pantry closet? Okay, well, let's put all the cereals together. Well, let's put all the pastas together up in here. Well, it's actually part of building the food down here. So I'm going to have all the Italian stuff up here today. And I'm going to start with all the well, Mexican food. Down here. Beans are down here. But, you know, they're both carbs. But, oh, my God. we got So you start switching this thing around. Every time you go in the, the pantry, you got a new spot to put the damn... Uh, now, that's not my issue. It happens to be my mother's issue, but we'll let that go. You know, <laughs> that's living with my mother, who's significantly ADD. And now I've learned so much from her because she drives me crazy, right? Don't, don't all of our mothers. Uh, so, yeah, but there is that, right? So, but that's the same thing that's, that's happening when we're um, the controlling... Uh, you you said something about earlier this evening when we were chatting. I don't you know talked, what I said. Yeah, <laughs> right. There you go. Uh, you talked about something about uh, action and big and small. What was that? That was a oh, uh, uh, feeling something big but showing it small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and that's emotional self regulation. Uh, and that's that's a hard lesson to learn when we're doing. That's exactly what this is all about: is being able to feel something strong enough to be able to carry it through, and then uh, the commitment. Because when you walk in and your people haven't done it the way you want to do it. You know, how do you, how do you not punitive, create punitive action for them? So if you're in a business, you're going to have people. Okay. And if you have people, they're taking care of your customers. And if you create an environment of punitive action or punitive you know, overreaction, then they can't, they, they will, they will not take the initiative of communicating with the customers the same way. And I think as a, um, you know, for, for you, if, when you see that someone has done something that wasn't quite the way you want, that you wanted it, um, <sighs> you know, instead of looking at it from this, this realm of, you know, well, how do I respond to that punitive action? It's like, oh, well, let me let them know what I was thinking, but don't worry about them having to fix it for, for this situation. Say for, for next time, I want you to, to know. So, you know, we talk about there's always a better way. There's also yeah. always a next time. We're always right. going to have another opportunity. I've gotten, I've worked really hard on that. And again, this is, a, I think there's any business person who's walking. When you walk in there and you see the, the secretary's filed it in that side over there, it should be on the left side. Um, when I walk in on the cruise and they're out in the construction, because we do all kinds of crazy construction. I mean, we're doing, uh, I'm right now bidding on a, a 10,000 square foot uh, granite uh, walkway down on the down on the river when the riverfront's down there. We we so we we learn these new things that nobody's ever done before. How do you do this uh, European um, fan pattern uh, using recycled uh, American style Holland stone granite pavers, which hasn't been done before? You know, uh, and then the guys are confused about well. I did what you told me to. Okay. So the problem with walking in on anything is that the analysis portion of seeing what's wrong, it's kind of like farting a room, right? Okay. It's, you know, so you first get in the room. Okay. Can I talk about this? Is this allowable? I mean, yes. It thanks. Is. Okay. So when you first walk in a room and uh, you got a guys drink, eating eggs and drink a beer and somebody lets one rip. Okay. Pretty much everybody knows it's ripped right then, but Somebody else walks in a room, it's like strong for them, okay? Now, if they stay in the room for a little while, they kind of forget about it, and the next person that walks, 
the problem is, is that if you're finding something that isn't the way it should be, unless you pay attention to it quickly, you're going to forget about it, especially as an ADDer. So now you have to pay attention to it quickly and note it because, you know, 15 minutes later, you're just not going to know what that smells like. And, and, and you know, you got to fix it now because if somebody else walks in a room, it's, so that's a fart in a room thing, you know? The whole time I'm just thinking, well, right, where are you going with this? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's a very pungent point. It, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Without punitive action. That's right. It was, it was fine. So there's always a better way to do everything. Mm -hmm. But not everything needs to be done. That's right. That's right. That's something that I know that, that you've been working on. Yeah. For the, at least the last year, yeah. two years. Um, something I know that I've been pushing you on a bit uh you've been pushing on me for actually longer than that but i've been you know and sorry uh, even though i know you've been pushing on me i didn't learn the lesson from you i learned it from somebody else my mother who drives me absolutely crazy with all the stuff she moves in a house she's for it because she can't remember what she did so we're we're actually working now on putting labels and taking pictures of how all the plates are going to be in there so they're the same time next time but every time she moves it there's such a loss in energy trying to find out where it is now and I didn't realize that I've been doing that with my people and my crews for years about, oh, well, we'll have this truck go there because there's an advantage of this particular truck works it better in this situation. And the guys have to unload all their tools. They have to think about what they're doing and all of a sudden they're reloading. So the energy of coming up with a better way, the cost of that's it, the return on investment or the energy invested can be much greater than the advantage taken. So. Um, learning that concept of ROI. What's the return on investment for changing this? Mm -hmm. And mother, I love you, but good golly gosh, that was a hard lesson for me to be aware of. Now, Kim, how, how old are you? I'm 62. Yeah, Is that six, like real 62 or like... No. <laughs> <laughs> well, emotional, uh, you know, yeah. I, actually, uh, I've got like 11 days away and I'm 63, but uh -huh. I'm sticking with 62 for uh -huh. right now, right? So well, almost happy birthday. Yeah, that's right. Almost happy birthday. So I was talking about your, your mother. Now your, your living sort of environment is quite somewhat <laughs> unique. You're the only person I actually know who lives on a compound, like an actual yeah. compound. So you have your, your business facilities. Yep. You have your home. Yes. You have your uh, your daughter's home. There's more than one home on the property, yeah, we've right? Got, I've got three children, right? They're adults, of course. And uh, everybody's got their own house. And my mom, who's 91, lives with me. And by the way, you know, as much as I complain about mom, the reality is she's just lived three months in South Dakota on her own and trucks all over the place. She's, you know, she's, uh, she can still drive, but she's and thinking about- And your mom is how old? 91. She's a total 91. And she, uh, it was only a few years ago that she traveled to Europe on her own uh, throughout. And my biggest challenge was, is that I couldn't find her. Cause she'd go to a cousin's house and she'd take a train out to another cousin's house or someplace else. And it, do you know where my mommy is? It just was really hard to find her. Cause she, she has no fear. And that's another thing about it being ADD because you don't have a memory of something bad that can happen. You have no fear. So now you move forward and you're, uh, you know, that's, that's, it's a, it's a learn cycle, but I learned so much, but she, because she has no fear, she's done incredible things. Do you think it's that not having fear? Or do you think that she's addicted? the excitement and adrenaline of, oh. of sort of new, you know, it's, so maybe she has fear, but that's sort of what she likes is doing yeah. things that are kind of, yeah, those are, you know, that's a, it's a, I, I think 
that even though we're, um, I think that it's very entrepreneurial, okay? Um, and to a certain extent, being an entrepreneur means you don't have the fear of trying something new and you're also drawn to it. So you're not, so everything's a push and pull, correct? Okay. Yeah, but so know, everything, I, sorry. I, I, I want to challenge you on that though, because I hear people say, you know, have no fear, have no fear. It's like, when we think about what courage is, you know, yeah. courage is being afraid and moving forward all at the same time. Yeah, well, so. Because when I think of someone that has no fear, I think of a sociopath. Well, I, I, hello, I'm raising my hand here. I, we, there are certain things that we, uh, I think we do do that we, we because we don't have fear. You're raising your hand to... thinking you're a sociopath. You are the farthest person from a sociopath <laughs> that I think I know. Okay. <laughs> well, um, so my mother took and um, uh, she took from South Dakota and she's a South Dakota dirt farmer's daughter out there from grew up in the depression years and the, um, uh, the Dust Bowl. And if anybody knows what the Dust Bowl is, it's just such a hard thing, concept to understand. You know, Grandma, yeah, she always saved all her plastic bags. Well, there's much more than that to it. She took off, she went hitchhiking out to like New York then she took off and started a uh, social program in San Francisco. And she took and she's developed a program with my father where they would take uh, American students to go uh, teach them in six months. They taught them enough da English or Danish rather so they could go to college in Denmark. So um, your your, your uh, first language is, is Danish. Yeah, Danish. I grew up I grew up with Danish, although we had English always in the, in the home. Uh, but when I came here to go to school in America, that's when I really realized that um, that was, we were talking about it. my first hard awareness that I, something wasn't right. Or now looking back at it was looking at the, the, the chalkboard and you were supposed to write down the 10 words that were up there and then trying to remember now you, there's a word across that I see triggers. Okay. I can read the word triggers. I can see it. I can very, I can speed read, but I'm and looking so people at people know what he's talking about. I have, uh, we're in my office and behind me. But the, uh, the word triggers behind me is a big dry erase board. But Kim actually helped me hang. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, oh, he did. <laughs> it was a lunchtime. Yeah. Um, and so, okay, just, I want to give the people concept. Why is, it, why is he saying the word triggers? Because yeah, it's, it's written behind me. It's so, written above the word. So uh, I can see the word triggers. But if I had to spell that word down, I'd be looking at it and trying to go tri triggers. I couldn't, if I didn't know what a syllable was, I would forget what the, my, that working memory for that portion of it would, I wouldn't be I, it, at least four or five, six times before I could get that word written down. And Can that was my just first me a flashback to first grade. Oh, completely. Yeah. Like completely. I was always like the last one I wanted to copy stuff from the board. Like if, if thinking back to it now, like I wish yeah. I could have had the accommodation of, can I get that on a piece of paper next to me so yeah. I can just like not have to lift my head up and yeah. completely lift, right. like lift, yeah. take my focus off of what I needed to copy. Yeah. And even now, like copying stuff down, it's, I mean, it took me apparently, you know, uh, how old am I? I'm almost 36 and I didn't realize until I was about 31 that I have a form of dyslexia called uh, dyscalculia where I swap numbers around. Okay. Yeah. It's, you know, yeah. oh, that's why math was so hard. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, and that's the, yeah, those are the, but just trying to remember which order they came down. It's like trying to remember, I don't know, a part number uh, off a truck or something, you know? It just was, that was actually, that was probably the first great anxiety that I had in school. And that's when you would write like papers in school, would you like, like forget to finish a sentence? Like when you're writing? Uh, yeah, I would, well, I just forget to finish the paper. <laughs> so, uh, and then, but when I did focus on it, 
uh, each teacher every year had a time when they would come back to my mother and says, okay, Kim didn't write this. You must've written it because look at the penmanship and look at how dramatic this is. But every other pa paper I had with it, it was scribbles. I mean, you couldn't do it. I, I couldn't stay focused long enough to get the, uh, the ideas or concepts out. And that's the hard part of the ADD part. Mm -hmm. But it's also because it allows you to, um, to me, I feel my, uh, I'm just really with our conversations. And by the way, with the last adult uh, uh, group that was in that 10-week course, I have started to really embrace, truly embrace the, the, the skills that it comes with it or the uniqueness of it and uh, feel positive about the ability to, um, that I've got something special. And I'm actually charging more money these days. Are you? Yeah. Uh, I want you to tell me a little bit more about that. But before you do, huh? would you mind moving your water cup? Because it's blocking my oh. timer. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. There you go. I this moment of panic of how long has it been? <laughs> oh, yeah. How long has it It's been 30 minutes? Yeah. Are you kidding me? No. Holy crepey. It's all right. We're good. Yeah, We're good. Yeah. yeah, we are good. This is set whole for getting that moment or what your moment is. And here's the other example I was driving over here and I, is that writing down the second example is I drove over here. I went to dial a phone number. I put the phone up to my ear and I know everybody in this who's heard this knows this stuff already. And I'm sitting, I drove five miles before I realized that there was nothing, there was no, nothing ringing. And I had to look down. I had forgotten to hit send again. You know, and how often does it happen to all of us? I think I've had that happen to me recently, actually, because you were telling me about this earlier. Mm -hmm. And I, I was on hold with someone for a while. I'm like, wow, it's taking a really, really long time. <laughs> I think it was a good half an hour. And they, they and I looked, we were actually at this kind of 25 minutes <laughs> before that. And I was like doing other stuff. So it was like, I didn't even like think yeah. about the passage of time. Yeah. But yeah, it's absolutely. It's, it's yeah, funny it's, things like that. But, and that's the stuff that you... That whole, that, and again, it's something I learned from you is about this whole idea of self-awareness slash self-hate for all of the things we've done. And in the past, that would be a, a puddle again, right? Because we've we, all these failures that we've had built up all to right now, and we don't accept all this uh, outward box thinking that nobody else gets. You know, the solution to the problem is, oh, that was an easy solution. Oh, yeah, well, we just do it this way and that way. Now, now it's done. Get on to the next one. And these solutions are... That's the thing about being a designer, uh, entrepreneur, construction, consultant, uh, and we've got all these different aspects to our business, which we really do have a lot of aspects, don't we? Um, it's always sort of interesting to talk to like a, a, any friend that, that sort of knows about the work that I do, but isn't like in my day-to-day like -day stuff. And if I'm talking to them, telling them, you know, maybe feeling a little overwhelmed, and then they point out like how much I'm doing. I'm like, yeah, yeah but, you know, but then they're like, start listing the things that they know I'm doing. It's like, oh, yeah, it's, yeah. I'm doing a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and you are doing a lot. Yeah, that's right. And, and that's, that's one of the things that I've been doing a lot this year, too, is, is carving stuff away and, yeah. and um, you know, really uh, working that pumpkin plan. Uh, you know, I like to, to uh, cite that book by Mike McCallowitz. And uh, have you ever listened to that audiobook? No, I haven't, but I'll, t I'll give you a little bit of a win. Uh, I've cut out my oil business. That's a big deal. Okay. The oil business I've, I've um, broken off right now, yeah. So you were doing a, a, a explain it a little bit. Okay, so we did um, uh, vegetable oil recycling. And, uh, and basically you go out to a bunch of restaurants, you collect the oil, you take it in, you process it, 
and nobody else knew how to process it. I've actually gotten pretty good at it, and I've developed uh, one, two, three, four uh, different processing facilities for other people, because I kind of started spending too much time thinking about it, but that was a lot of fun. And um, I was doing a semi-load uh, a week, that's 45,000 pounds of, of oil a week I was processing, collecting, processing, and selling. And during the difficult times after the years of 08 through 012, that saved the farm. It absolutely saved the farm. Can you trace back to like how, like the from the idea to of, of doing this to like figuring out how to do this? I mean, I, the idea came uh, through a buddy of mine. We were we've been chatting of some doing some, and we were watching the prices of oil. And we started watching commodities because uh, you know you 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 spend extra time uh, watching commodities and all the different numbers that you get on the TV and that. And so, but we started noticing vegetable oil was really climbing, and we said, "Ooh, that could be interesting." So then we just started figuring out because it was the beginning of the biodiesel. You know, everybody's making biodiesel mm -hmm. stuff. So how do you do that? And I was had a few. Uh, presentations I made on how to make biodiesel. And, but how nobody, did you know how to do that? Uh, making the biodiesel? Yeah. Or the, uh, yeah it, All of it. Uh, like I, You know? I'm always amazed. Like, how do you know how to do this stuff? Like, there's so <laughs> many things that you know how to do that are complex. I was like, how do you know how to do this? And that's what it drives me nuts when you're struggling to do these things that other people should be doing for you because yeah. there are so many things that you do that just blow my yeah. mind away. Like, yeah, how yeah. do you know how to do that? <laughs> I mean, you haven't even mentioned your security camera business. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, there's, and that's, uh, that's, and that's, that one's significant. I mean, we're doing some, it's all commercial stuff. We don't do re re residential. So all 25 stories plus or, or 15 or 20 acres at a larger size with networking systems. And I, uh, I think I was telling you up as, uh, uh, so right, I had my hip replacement area, right? So after the hip replacement, I was climbing up a 225-foot water tower uh, out in uh, per, uh, Davis Junction uh, out here installing, wire, you know, uh, antenna stuff, you know. Was, yeah, you had a hip yeah. replacement and you were like, like six weeks later, like on a mountain bike? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> it was, it was, uh, it was, uh, yeah. Kim doesn't sit still real well. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the part of it is, is there's a passion for re research. And I, my father wrote a book. Uh, when was, he wrote several books. He was really interesting. He was an interesting character. Now you, your father is a pretty prominent person in, um, in, in Denmark. He's, he's fairly well known. Yeah, he's a, they've got statues for him and things like that. He's a philosopher and he's, and he's been at the, you know, United Nations. And it was, John Lennon called my father, father. Okay, so it's interesting. My mother uh, taught John Lennon and Yoga Ono to be vegetarians, uh, which uh, and vegans actually at the Wait, time. Wait, say that again. You're... Well, yeah, my, my mother, stepmother, okay, now this is not, my father married never okay. so he's, he's in character, but uh, she taught John Lennon and Yoko Ono uh, about meditation and about um, learning to become vegetarians. And that was in the mid to late 60s. 67 or so he John Lennon had kind of disappeared off the face of the earth nobody could find him for 10 weeks it popped up it turns out he was at my father's university in Denmark okay and my father didn't never listen to music because it was a distraction so he had no idea these music people that walked in and stuff like that so he would let them play their own music but he had no idea who John Lennon was of course so you know what this means? Mm. I'm only three degrees of separation from John Lennon. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And all the people he knows becomes four. Just think about that one. Wow. 
you know. Oh, so wow. I'm like connected to like a lot of famous <laughs> people. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's right. I, and, I, and I have been through association uh, connected to a lot of really amazing, amazing people. I really have. Uh, I'm very grateful for that youth part of my life that's, that's connected me. And it's given me a different kind of a base. But I've also then, um, in working with, uh, very, become very heavily involved in the Hispanic community. Mm-hmm. And uh, Spanish is now a good, solid third language, and uh, it's uh, it's it, I'm very fluent, right? So, but it's really more about um, connecting with the people. So he wrote this book called Lust for Learning, and really is that passion about finding the next thing, about learning that next thing. But it really is such an ADD thing, isn't it? Mm. Because now, whatever you've learned now is never enough. Uh, that you always have to, one, you have to, because you failed at all these other things, you now have to be good enough at it to, to get the next one. So that's, it's, the, it's kind of the resounding, all the themes that are happening back here kind of goes to the same thing of, you know, learning, continuing to learn and, and being better at it, but never feeling good about it because you didn't complete the last one and, and get people taken care of. So there's that failure, excitement of, uh, of doing something fresh again. It's, it's a, um, uh, lots of puddles have been spent talking about that subject in the past for us, hasn't there? I was, I was going to ask you, there was a big sigh there and something emotional that I, I was sensing yeah. from you when you we started talking about this, uh, the book that you're, uh, that wrote. What was that? Um, well, that lust for learning has all about educational learning, but I think that, uh, you know, we talked, you were, you were asking me a little more about what business was a little bit earlier. And I think, the business is to be able to be repeatable and being profitable at it, but that's um, the, the the emotion part. That's so the yeah. Question is, I, okay, so emotion of it. Let's see. Uh, Kim Sorry wasn't going to cry in the podcast, but I think he might. Like <laughs> <laughs> I hate you, Eric. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. I appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The emotion, I think, of of. Uh, those challenges you have as an ADD are about all those those moments of failure lie just below the surface, don't they? And uh, and I think we've all got them. We can all reach out to them. And if we um, if we're smart enough, we'll use them to our own strength. But uh, I don't know if it's uh, smart. That's the right okay, word. Yeah, uh, you're right. If we're aware enough, if we're wise enough, we'll use them. I'm to not sure what strength. the right word is, but there's yeah. yeah. No, you're right. Um. um can I share a uh, an ADHD shame story that just happened yeah. yesterday? Yeah, yeah, please. Oh man! So I was working with a a, a client of mine, um, a teenager, I was working with, and um, this is an honest mistake. I called him by the wrong name. I called him by basically the client that I saw just prior to him, mm-hmm. and I was really proud of him that he like let me know that I did that. Um, you know, I apologize. Um, then about three minutes later, I did it again. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened. Like, you know, I was sort of trying to make fun of myself a little bit. And he's like, yeah, he's, you know, I just have a thing about names. And like, I can tell he was sort of offended, but not like trying to take it mm-hmm. too personally. And then I did it again. Ugh. And then I did it again. And I was like in such like a... a I was in my head so much yeah. at that moment. I was like, why did I keep doing Like, I felt so, like, and he ended up actually laughing with me because I just basically, like, I was t- 
talking with him. I was leaning forward in my chair. And after the fourth time, I just like leaned back and I'm like, I am so sorry. I don't know why I keep doing that. I'm so sorry. And he said something about like, yeah, I it was, I have a thing with names and I go, apparently I do too. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it was like, I've been, I'm still thinking about it today. Like, you know, it's like, I know that I'm really crappy at names, but it yeah. was like, it's one of these things where it's I'm like, totally man, honest. you know, I, I don't want to make someone feel uncomfortable because like my brain's doing the thing that it does sometimes. Yeah. So it's, I just wanted to sort of share that and, well, and those are the moments of, you know, you first introduced me to Brene Brown and uh, 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 this idea of shame is such a powerful, powerful thing. And I, I had another friend that uh, asked me to also take a look at Brene Brown because they were going through some, some studies. They, they, took a, uh, they took a course, mm -hmm. you know, and, and uh, um, very smart person and just so aware and they were doing this whole Brene Brown thing. This thing about being shame is just, it's incredible how pervasive that is underneath the part of the fact that you can't spell on top of it, you feel shame, right? Um, uh, and and uh, it's, it's part of the hardest part of being an entrepreneur, I think, is being able to um, uh, know you've got, because as an entrepreneur, you're expected to know everything about everything that's always going on. Mm. And the people you're talking to that can't do your job, um, what they can do easily is the stuff that you can't do. So they look at you and when you, when you can't just like give them a bill or just, what's that estimate? Just go do the job. I, I, I don't care what it is, just do the job. And now you're so afraid of charging them wrong that you, you know. Um, I can't tell you how many clients I, I work with who have uh, thousands and thousands of dollars of, of unpaid oh. invoices because they just haven't sent them out and yeah. they're like it's been months and yeah. um, and it's so interesting because when I get my clients to send out those bills the responses have been from usually the, the people that they sent it to like oh th I, we thought we lost the bill thank you for sending it out we're going to pay you right away yeah yeah um, and so it's like we're so in our heads about these things and right. Um, and right now I am so in my head about sharing what I just like my heart's racing like, yeah about so, the, the name thing yes, yes yeah and so I'm like yeah like I'm clearly feeling a huge sense of shame about about yeah. that um, and it's it's you know it's interesting because I usually like that I'm pretty good on most fronts with how my ADHD pops up but you know it was, it was four times well when you just mentioned about how it pops up right so and there's all these what is it 80 some thousand times the different variations of ADHD you've got you know, uh, let me get back on for that because uh <laughs> you know Kim and I have so many conversations that, like you jump right into the middle of something like I know what you're talking about yeah. but you know the, the 2,000 plus listeners who are listening to this like what are you talking about so if you take if you look at the the um, the diagnostic criteria um, if you look for, for kids, it's not different for, for adults because you can have uh, five out of nine. So there's nine symptoms of hyperactivity and impulsivity. There's nine symptoms of uh, inattention or there's the combined type. And so for the, for it used to be, and now it still is for kids, that you need six out of nine of, the, of either symptoms of hyperactivity and impulsivity or the symptoms of, uh, of, of inattention. Um, or the combined type to to come up with that diagnosis. So if you do a mathematical factorial 
of all the combinations of possibilities that you can get to to have that to to come to that six out of nine it's eighty six thousand four hundred possibilities so it's like what's your flavor of adhd you know it's like so everyone's adhd is going to present slightly differently some very differently um you know i'm not a hyperactive person at least my, my body is not my brain is another story um you know so understanding that all of the variations is is really um so that's what you were talking about so yeah go ahead uh, you do realize we've had like 12 seconds here and we've been talking and I very difficult to re recall what we did, but you know, the part of that, that's part of the idea. You're but, wondering yeah. what we're, what, yeah. why, why we, we that? <laughs> I was wondering that too. When, when, Cause I actually had to close my eyes to sort of go through that. So I didn't right. get distracted. And then I opened my eyes like, are we going to remember why we actually, I went down so, that. So this was part of that 86,000 is that, you know, uh, one of the things that happens is you either don't remember what happens or that last thing you thought of is now an imprint. And you, and again, another lesson from my mother. I love her dearly. But whatever you told her last, and if you tell her, don't do the dishes with this towel, okay, because it's dirty. The only thing she'll remember now, now she's getting up there, but her memory is do the dishes with this towel because it's dirty, not the don't part. And I'm not so sure that isn't what happens to us as ADDers or as we're, we're controlling sure it's ourselves. It's not oppositional. She's like, I'll show you, kid. Well, she definitely can be oppositional. I mean, <laughs> she's my mother. But, uh, but you know, and, I, and I'm sure I never was oppositional for her. I've got that figured out. But um, this idea that sometimes we can hear something with the word don't and then that becomes the last memory that we have. How often does that happen with an ADD child that then becomes responsive to that, right? You, I think you've seen my presentation, the, the one that I do on um, uh, the ADHD from the inside out, where I talk more about like journey for kids and yes. parents, yes. and I, yeah. I, I share the story yeah. on there. Of I, um, so when I was in preschool, I uh, um, my mom picked me up from from school one day, yeah. and and uh, she uh, I said to her, I don't think my teacher knows my name. Was, what do you mean she doesn't know your name? So well, she just keeps calling me don't Eric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She was telling me don't so many times. Don't Eric. No, don't Eric. I, I thought that's what she thought my name was. Yeah, yeah. Right. And it's how many kids in reality that becomes their, their reality. Right. Yeah. Don't or no. Because they're always. Uh, um, yeah. So. Oh, so. Yeah. You mentioned a little bit earlier about the compound. And uh, we've got this 20 acres. It's a nursery. All my children grew up there. I was there as a child. My grandfather came out there and helped us fix the place. It was built in the 1864, right? My office is a got timbers all over the place. It's all hand-hewn timbers and beams. It's pretty cool. Like it is pretty cool, yeah. And it's across the way is a meadow of 210 acres. And in the mornings, you get to see the the uh, the, the mist, and the, especially this time of year. It's awesome, right? I can throw a stone to hit my daughter's house, my son's house, who can throw a stone to hit my daughter's house, who if we all throw stones, we can throw my, hit my other daughter's house. And in the mornings, uh, we've got six kids out for the bus stop. And out does there. your mom come out and say, stop throwing stones? Yeah, she could. Yeah. <laughs> but she'll join. No, she'll join right in. She's a, she's, a, she's a hoot, actually. She's a real hoot. And we'll go down there. we got six kids at the bus stop. And we all get together. And there's a big deal at 830 in the morning, 830. Actually, it's um, 824 when anybody walks on out there. And that's the moment in time we all can talk 
about what's going on, mm-hmm. you know? And, and if it's, you know, you, most times you don't, most times it's just giggling and, you know, snarfing and whatever else the kids do out there, we all do together. Uh, but the, the moments of time that they walk up and very naturally um, can hug uh, and share that moment in time, that's really special out there. Um, and I'm grateful for that part of it. Uh, so that family stuff is strong. I mean, there was a, uh, was it, I think early or late spring of this year, I was out uh, visiting you and um, and your, your daughter was out there. And, and uh, um, so we were talking and she stopped by and, you know, uh, sat down with stuff for a few minutes. And then, <laughs> then her kids stopped by. And it was just, I was really sort of struck by like how unique and neat that really is. Yeah. That you have your whole, you know, family there. Yeah. And all the guys have been with me, my key guys have been with me 25, 30 years. And I'm godfather to their children. They're godfather to my children. Mm. We've been godfathers. We've gone to travel to, you know, these exotic places for our weddings. Uh, we've just really had, uh, that part of it has been really good. And that's the part that the, um, uh, that the personality is um, unintentionally drawn together. You know, you, you, know? you never told me that part, that the, it, some of your employees that you're, godparents and yeah um because we, we talked about sort of scaling down the business yeah um and i know you, the relationships for you are important yeah i don't realize that kind of connection that's yeah that's right these are uh these are these are uh yeah these are guys that have sometimes changed diapers these are guys that have construction guys right these are you know and we laugh out there but i've gone uh, these are these are men that have brought their um have brought their sons to come work and have experiences. Uh, these are people we've uh, gone to. Uh, uh, you know, Mongo was one of the kids that worked with us years ago, and we went down to this town of Morelia. It's, uh, it's uh, Quitseo is the actual name of the town. It's, it's kind of like this peninsula out in the middle of a huge lake, this volcano. And in the middle of this peninsula, there's a uh, cathedral uh, and, and uh, a monastery that goes to it. And uh, it was in within the first 50 years of the uh, discovery, quote unquote, of, of, uh, of America. And you go inside of there and they've got, they've still got the original libraries and, and the stuff they've got in prisms and science books and things are just amazing. And so we, most of our guys come from this one town down there. And Mongo was, this kid that always talked about how poor he was. He was always ashamed and, and he was a smart kid, really a nice looking, just a guy that worked hard. And he was the kind of guy that would climb inside of the trucks, uh, the tanker trucks, to clean them out to make a few pesos so they could have money at the house. And I've got to tell you what, you think about tanker trucks carrying let me, like blood from pigs or maybe... Uh, well, there's all kinds of stuff that tank trucks you just made my entire uh, listenership lose their lose their lunch or their appetite. <laughs> yeah, it was. Well, it's it was important to know that these these kids worked really hard at the age of eight and twelve because they were small enough to get in there. They had all these houses we went to, and there was just a door in a wall, and a narrow passage to the back of an open area. And his mother was making beans back there, and uh, she shared those beans with us and. It was the most, we wanted to say, oh no, let's buy you something. But no, she was sharing this, but she was giving her son to us for care. Mm. And that's what some of the stuff, that's the relationships that we have is that parents would give their children to us to care for them while they were with us. And that was a really unique kind of exposure and experience uh, to be part of that part. So we were really, that's still kind of the, the flavor that we have we're up in there even if we're not excited about each other uh, everybody's there you know brothers uncles fathers 
they're all around. It's a good space. You're like a storyteller. Like yeah. I think you could be a professional storyteller. <laughs> if you're you know, once your body just gives out because you you know you're working all the time, yeah. just you know get up on stage with a stool or something and start telling stories. <laughs> it's good stories to be had, and for the if there's lessons to be learned, right? Oh, I like that. That's that's like that. That's a good point. ADHD Rewired listeners, we've got some great events coming up this month that I want you to know about. We have some webinars and I want you to join me for my brand new webinar, Productivity Solutions for the Time Blind. I'm going to be sharing with you a ton of brand new content and we're going to take a really deep dive into my latest thinking around time management, productivity, planning, processing, prioritizing, and getting things done. With three dates scheduled, you can join us December 5th or December 12th at 10.30 a.m. Central Time or at December 19th at 12.30 p.m. Central Time. This is a 90-minute webinar and will follow 30 minutes of Q&A. You can register at erictivers.com slash events. Got a question you want to ask? Join us for a productivity Q&A. You can ask us questions by video or by text chat. We're going to be doing this on Wednesday, November 30th at 1230 p.m. Tuesday, December 13th at 1230 p.m. And Wednesday, December 21st at 1030 a.m. These are all central times and will each be 90 minutes. Then starting in 2017, you can join us on the second Tuesday of every month at 12.30 p.m. We'll be doing a live Q&A. Finally, our Wednesday evening study halls that are a part of the WTF to Done insurance series end December 8th. So if you have forms to fill out or you're stuck on something related to insurance, join us from 7 to 8 p.m. Central Jessica Stilwell will be there to answer your questions if you get stuck. And I want to just send a big, big thank you to Jessica for paying it forward so much in such a big way with your time, your expertise, with setting up the scholarship fund. And, uh, and if you'd like to help pay it forward, we actually just started a Patreon page. You can go to erictivers.com slash Patreon. It's up and live, but I still have a lot of work to do on it. I'm, uh, I'm working on my perfectionism, so I have a very imperfect version of it live on my website. Um, but I'll have more information about that in coming weeks. So all the live events and information about them where you can register is at erictivers.com slash events. That's erictivers.com slash events. I know that you have um, some questions, you have some ADHD oh. questions. Do you want to get to that? Sure. Um, yeah, a couple of different things. I, I think that, um, let's do the hard one first and see if we can get out, that out of the way. Or should we go with the easier one that we can do for practice? What are we doing here? It's all, it's all good to me, either one. All right, well, let's, let's do the, um, let's do the easy one. All right. The easy one here, my question for you today. No was, math is involved, correct? No math okay, is involved good. in this one. Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I so the, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my question I was coming in, I was, uh, was oh, Eric's going to do this. Oh, crap. What are we going to talk about? Okay. Um, uh, seems like we always find something though, right? Uh, and my question was, is that, is there, are there exercises that I can really do specifically 
to kind of, um, you know, kind of like you do Kegels for Kegels, right? And you do uh, for running and walking if you're going to do a marathon or whatever you can do. I have no idea what Kegels are. Really? Yeah. Well, um, so, uh, okay. So, well, uh, all right. Well, let's get the listenership out there because there's plenty of listenership out there. And let's, uh, this is one of my small things, another one of my projects, my medical device project, you didn't know, that I've been working on it. So I wasn't uh, sure if I could mention that or not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll blow it out there. So this, so about four years ago, five years ago, I had my, uh, my prostate surgery. I had, it was it was kind of a long drawn out thing. I ended up to going to NIH, which is in Bethesda. It's the National Institute of Health uh, for prostate surgery, and they they were able. It was a very cutting edge experiment. Cool, smart people. Unfortunately, I ended up with uh, incontinence. Right. So incontinence is not necessarily a fun thing. Urinary incontinence. So. A very good friend of mine, Rick, who's also helped me with other things. He worked on a product. He'd been working for 30 years in urinary incontinence stuff. So he brought to me this idea. That, but, of course, uh, it never worked for anybody. But now we work together and now Kim had a better way. And now we actually have a product that really, really works. The problem is I'm still incontinent. But you still got to work with Kegels. So Kegels are the tightening of the lower... Um, area that will help hold urinary incontinence aside. Women do this all. Every woman knows about So when you're Kegels. holding your bladder. You're holding your bladder, but you're more than that, you're holding the leakage okay. out of the bladder because uh, the, the muscles typically aren't strong enough. Mine were sliced away with the surgery. So, uh, I, you know, so now I have to really work on them. So I'm constantly working on them, right? It's easier for men than it is women because we have a different plumbing that kind of does a U-shape where women just kind of float straight out. It's hard for women. So uh, doing Kegels is really, really important. After you've had uh, birthing and things, it, the muscles get stretched and hurt. So how do I remember how to do Kegels? And I can't. It's, it's difficult. But if you keep on doing the muscles, you will get, have less of an issue. If I use my eyesight and I, uh, you know, uh, I learned from another old landscaper dude. And he says, uh, and he didn't want to use uh, glasses. So he says, well, this is what you do. And I'm about 40-something at the time. And he's, he's an older fart like me I'm now. And uh, he just showed me how do you take your a black and white paper and just start focusing hard on a set of letters. And you bring them in and then you bring them out. And you're, what's really happening is your, your retina is being able to mm -hmm. start exercising. And the more flexibility you give on that, the more you can read. I can gain any like behavioral optometry. Yeah. Yeah, and I can gain between three or four inches of mm. arm length of being closer. So now I can see better. If I do my stretches in the morning, and we, we as you know, we have our, our circle stretches, which is that whole Hatha yoga, sun salutation thing that all the construction guys do every morning. It's pretty cool looking. Uh, and their, their bodies, we've stopped having uh, accidents at work. Uh, their necks don't hurt. Uh, there's a whole bunch of things with that. So what kind of exercises can I do um, for helping my time myopia and I not forgetting this, it, yeah. right? And uh, it was just, yeah, how do I stay on track with those things? And it's got to be something I can do to really just. Did you want to discuss the, um, and I can certainly answer that, but did you want to uh, maybe what we sort of rent down through your arbor holes sort of simultaneously? You were sharing the story about the, um, the incontinence. Incontinence. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the, the product. Did you want to talk more about that or no? Well, I, you know, it's, um, so the part that I can talk about is the part you've been kind of kicking me in the ankles, ankles for some time is, Kim, what are you going to do next? What's going to, this next thing is going to happen, right? 
And uh, and I, I do. I need to get things out to get it to a manufacturer. I need to get my uh, attorney. I, I got This is a product that could pay for all the stuff for my children and have all the things we need for my grandchildren so I could take them. And right now I can't because I'm, we got this 20 acre parcel. It's, um, the taxes have trebled in the last few years. And so there's a whole bunch of ex expenses in it. Killed with taxes. Oh, uh. God, I got killed. I nailed with taxes. We're, we happen to live in a county up here in Northern Illinois and, uh, they have really nice trucks and a really beautiful building at the county level. I bet. You know, they pay for it with <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So they, uh, um, and they, they just really nailed me because they turned for me in agriculture and I'm agriculture. I grow trees and I have bees, I have all my other stuff out there. And they've, uh, without my knowing it, uh, during the time that was uh, going to, between the prostate and the hip surgery and all these other things out there, I was not paying attention and they turned part of my property into commercial. And it was, that's where all of a sudden the, the increase in taxes came So was that from like something that you got notifications about that you yeah, did? Didn't, just, didn't, it, uh, it was, uh, they didn't, no, they didn't notify. That was part of the frustration I had is that, so without getting too deep on that one. Um, I just want to say your idea about the prostate, yeah. um, the, the incontinence product yeah. can do it. It's such a good idea. Yeah. Thank you. I, it's, it really is incredible. You know what? That product is something that will help men. And that's probably my, that's another, okay, now I've got another shit. Share your story about like why you came up with this idea. Cause it was a, you shared it, you were at a restaurant. Yeah, and, it was, well, okay. So and I'm going to write time myopia. So we come back to that. Okay, good, good. That's, that's good. I, I don't know how much this has to do with ADD, except for the fact this is probably more of an emotional uh, rundown about the issues that individuals can have and some of the challenges that people can run into, right? So I came back from this, uh, this fancy operation out there and I was all excited about it. And I, you know, they give you this, uh, <laughs> at a size 54 government issue set of diapers they give you, right? And these things were freaking huge. And I cut them into three, four pieces to use them as wadding and stuff to carry in it. You know, and I, and I finally get home to do this and I ran out of my first two bags. The nice nurse gave me all these big bags of this stuff. I didn't know what to do with them. And then I had to go buy that first set. Well, uh, I went to the Jewel to try and figure out what's going on with it. And, and uh, I couldn't, I, I didn't know what to buy. And there's all these, I can't believe it. You know, um, women have got an awful lot of work they do and they take it for granted how difficult it is, the things that they do. And I had no idea. I got to tell you, I have a entirely different respect for um, the challenges of being 12, 14, 18, of having to go buy these little fancy pads and knowing what they mean. If you go down to that aisle down, as a man, you go down the aisle, try and figure that shit out. I mean, it's crazy. Okay. And then I got to go out there and try and figure out what, what am I going to wear? So it, well, I was going out and I would carry three, four changes of clothes a day because I could be out there for a short time and it would leak through and things were falling apart. It was not a pretty period of time. And I ended up in the parking lot out there after going, well, I went in tried to get what I was finding. And, um, I, the jewel, I remember distinctly after a much longer story, I ran out of the jewel, found some flowers and said I was going to a, a funeral because it was just, you know, um, emotional about it. And then I really became uh, aware of how difficult it is for others that have the same kind of a challenge. And um, uh, Rick found me, you know, I've talked about puddles and emotion a whole lot at this time. You know, you've been privy to an awful lot of my emotional uh, uh, Brene Brown uh, vulnerability kind of moments, haven't you? I have that effect on people, I guess. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Eric. I, I appreciate that. So, 
Um, it, yeah, Rick kind of said, I have this idea and um, try this. Well, I think it was the entire failure. Now I've got all these other things and I've got to also deal with this. Yeah, I was shutting down. So it's not just about me shutting down, but it's about all the other different people that shut down and people who don't leave their, um, their houses. You know, Eric, I think we're getting off on a subject here. I think... Do you want to head back to the uh, time I up here? Listen, I'm not embarrassed to, to talk about it. I think the only thing, let's leave, let's, leave with it. let's leave with a message, is that there are so many different things in life that we have to be grateful for, okay? And uh, there's so many things that, we, that people struggle with that are around us. Incontinence is just one of many. It happens to be one of those ugly ones. Bariatric incontinence is another one. So maybe what, maybe what the, this part of the story is about is that uh, uh, as your parents get older, as your moms in particular get older, and she, she, you invite her out to go to, uh, to dinner or lunch, and she keeps saying, no, no, it's okay. I'm happy here. I just know everything. I've got, I've got everything I need here at the house. She may be telling you a message, because I've heard this message many times now, about how people just don't want to leave, and they don't want to share the idea that they're peeing in their pants. And they're afraid of leaking down on the floor. You just gave me an idea. Mm. A new podcast called The Pee Pod. <laughs> I, I'm not laughing, Eric. Damn it. <laughs> but I think what, what sort of highlight what, what we've been talking about this whole time is you had a, you're, you're dealing personally with this, this situation that millions of people are yeah. dealing with and not talking about. But you're looking at it personally and now you're looking at it from the lens of, there's got to be a better way. Yeah. So, okay. So thank you. Let me, I'll just do that. I will say, you know, I can't get into the, because we haven't got our patent going to some of these other things because I haven't done it. Damn right. it. But um, the reality is we have something that works specifically for men. And, you know, they, they got these little pad things that women wear and they're nice enough because it kind of catches it right in that spot. Right. And, and you know, you, you try and the male part when it sits in there, it just kind of never behaves for whatever reason. I've never known a male part that's ever actually behaved, stayed where it was supposed to, right? So you walk around, it slides out. That's been the biggest challenge. So now either you're wearing a full-on diaper or something. The product we got actually is a complete capture system and it works for men only, okay? Which is really cool. And now that big thing, remember I did that whole hip replacement? I was climbing the big tower up there and it was windy and cold and all the rest of that stuff with it. Uh, I was completely incontinent during that whole climb, if you think about that. Mm -hmm. And where do you go pee if you can't go pee? I mean, you're talking about climbing all the way up to the tall place. I know where I'm peeing. <laughs> and, the thing, you know, it's one of these ladder things going up there and you got oh, the, God. you know, you got a step, step, clip, clip, step, step, clip, clip. So you got these double little clips going on the there. But like imagining that, like that sense right. of like butterflies you get when you're in a high place. Yeah. I'm just, I'm having that with you right. just describing yeah. that. <laughs> and then you get the wind and the cold. And so that, that whole thing, I would have been a leaky mess. And it's because incontinence works, it's usually a dribble thing or it's something that kind of comes out. It's not something like you can whip it off the tower and start going peeing. Oh, we're in a guy thing. I'm sorry. Uh, we could, I could probably do this a little more delicately, but the point of it is you can't really just... You know, we're past the hour mark now, so most people have probably tuned out, so... <laughs> <laughs> I hope so, I, You know, but Do I... Do me a favor, I, put 15 minutes on, on the timer. Put 15 uh, on the timer. And, you know, so I, I'm, uh, I'm happy that uh, we got a real product. It's really going to go. But now I actually have to do and uh, follow through with it and, uh, and make it happen. That's going to be the hard part because it's not urgent. It's important 
but so, not urging. That little four square thing that you te- mm-hmm. keep on talking about is, you know, urgency and importance. And, uh, you know, this is incredibly important. It could be, you know, uh, for the rest of, you know, it could affect many, many, many people. And here I can talk about it, but I'm not making it happen. So if, uh, here's, here's the, uh, the shot in the dark. Um, you know, like we get a little bit more than, uh, two, somewhere between two to 3000 people that listen per episode. Mm. And, um, it's possible that someone out there, this is also affecting, mm-hmm. and it's possible that that person could be a person of influence who could be a angel investor of some kind. Mm. Um, so if you are, and you want to connect with Kim, uh, we'll link his uh, email, uh, on, on the website so you can connect with him. That would be, uh, you know, it's 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 actually at. Um, it, we're not talking a lot. We're talking in the fifteen to twenty five thousand dollar range of what it takes for us to get the. Uh, uh, I thank you, Eric. I didn't really mean to go there. I mean, it, it's interesting. It's a, it is, and it, you know what? If you, this male only incontinence product, but it really is a life changing product mm-hmm. for the men that have it. Okay, mm-hmm. and um, there's a lot of people who transitional after they get a prostate cancer, and, and they uh, they do become continent after a while. Um, and I think that's the best way to do is do the Kegels, right? But we're, t- you know, it's, uh, you know, attorneys, patent attorneys, a um, little bit of processing, uh, and uh, we've got a business plan in place. We, we do. We knew, that's all we really need to do. And it's, it's a winter thing. And if I can do that and pull it off, somebody else come in there, there will be a, a there's a real, uh, not a fake opportunity, not a, uh, but it's definitely a, a potential. We just have to get it to the next level. And I have to spend time doing it. And have some investment. So, well, thank you, Eric. I didn't um, uh, appreciate that. Time myopia. Yeah, time myopia. So, how do you practice for that? How do you get? Uh, you know, you talk. You, you taught me how to get through the anxiety of trying to do something different by just working through it. Right. We we did that earlier when I got nervous about. I was sitting in one spot and I and I couldn't sit down at my desk long enough. I would have to get up and fiddle around. And you taught me how to just take that extra few minutes of, of working through it. And now you can build through that anxiety portion. Mm-hmm. Now there's not that anxiety. It's just sitting there for a while and just getting that one thing done. So mm-hmm. what I'm going to share with you may mm-hmm. sound familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the things that we did in the, the coaching group. Mm-hmm. Um, so building that time myopia, being able to see more into the future. Part of that is starting with the future and looking backwards. So you learn how long things actually take. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple of things with that. So doing, and I talked about this in the, in the webinar that I uh, just recently gave, mm-hmm. um, in the presentation I'm giving at the chat conference is doing a time guesstimation to do list. So all your tasks write down on that next to your task, how many minutes you think that task is going to take you and then actually set a timer that goes forward. Not, you know, not a countdown timer. Cause if you hit zero and it's, you're still working on the task, you don't know how long it actually took right. you. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Don't look at the clock and say, okay, it's uh, you know, it's it's ten minutes to seven right now, and um, start working on it. And then you look back at the clock. It's it's now it's seven thirty, and you're only thinking, wait, what time was it when you look at the clock first? Right. Right. So yeah. having a time and then writing down how long those that task took you, and being really diligent on doing this with a lot, especially those tasks that you t- that are sort of repeatable, you know, emails, invoices. Um, um, how long does it take you at a house when you when you go mm-hmm. to do a site visit? Um, drawing up a design, um, a, a meeting, um, you know. So look at all those things that you do that are regular occurrences, right? Um, predict those times and see how 
you know, off you are and get try to get better and better at, at identifying the actual time. Because once you get more of an awareness about how long things actually take you, it's amazing how uh, how much more plans can actually come together. And, uh, uh, right. you know, it's you know, often we're so overwhelmed. We're putting so much on our plate because we think that task that, you know, that task takes us five minutes. That task has never taken us five minutes. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah, this project got to take an hour. That's an all day project every time you've done it. You know, so once you start learning that, then you begin to sort of scale out even more. Mm-hmm. And you begin to sort of know what does your gut tell you? And then you sort of put that into, you know, you know, like Google Translator. Mm-hmm, yeah. There's also ADHD Translator. Okay. <laughs> so it's, it's yeah. this idea of, okay, this will take me an hour. Uh, immediately you should go into, all right, uh, three to four hours. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I, I probably need about two weeks to work on, on, on that if I work on it every day. Six weeks right away, like yeah. immediately turn out the translation. That's, six weeks. And that's so true. I mean, as a contractor, all we do is we sell our time. So we're doing this constantly. And I'm notorious for missing that because it's all contractors. <laughs> yeah, all contractors. That we say, yeah, it's, you know, if you have a pretty bad yeah. reputation, maybe all <laughs> contractors, like a high percentage of right? ADHD in, in the field of contracting because. They never hit the, the time target. We've we've done a pretty good, one of the things I'm starting to try and do now is um, I'm trying to get a small um, uh, I'm sorry what are the little action cams that are they're so popular now the uh, uh, um uh, Go, square, GoPros. GoPros thank you and you can do it on a uh, actually my phone will do it too but uh, put it on time lapse and we're setting up. Uh, a couple of foremen to have that on a tripod and back so we can actually see, because they don't remember what time it is. They're just trying to get the job done. And we can take a look at how how long did it take to do this, this 10 feet here? How long did it take for getting this wheelbarrow in the back? And you brilliant. can now start watching it and start seeing the times off of there. I did some videos early this year of, it sounds simple, but like mulch. Well, we got it down to, you know, minutes and seconds and now you can multiply that out and we're doing 150 the whole cubic process is exciting me like yeah. be, it's in, in a really right. weird way like oh it's brilliant because then you can see like, is there any way to make those more efficient yeah. Either, right you can really plan out yeah. like should you do this thing before you do that thing because the time it takes to transition the tools between this to that would be take longer or when does a truck show up and they're now they carry materials out today and they really needed to carry them tomorrow and that's so yeah that's that's part of what we've done here but uh, I'm going to try and get back on this. Uh, the exercise I was looking for is that the same one I uh, reverted to earlier mm-hmm. of I picked up my phone and I listened to it for five minutes. I had no idea that five minutes passed. Or you and I went for a walk before we started this thing, right? right. It was a half hour. Is that what we lost? It was something we lost. Was, that, yeah. you know, oh, it was the fa- first half hour of this program, right? Yeah. Then we lost at least another 45 minutes when we walked outside. Because we needed some fresh air. It was a gain for me because I, I knew I needed a brain break. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you, you know, you're right. So the one thing is about judging time. And, and now we can, do, that's like, um, that's like cooking or baking with a formula and you go three cups of this, two cups of that. Mm-hmm. But how do I have, get developing more innate, not forgetting time? Um, is that? So if you can sit in my see through my eyes right now yeah while i'm looking at you i can see the clock that's above you and the time timer that's right there without moving my eyes that is how right it's not about like this yes you can get a better cognitive understanding of of time Mm -hmm. um but it it, part of that 
comes through having time around you everywhere, yeah. everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Like I look at, you know, it's like, would you go into war without armor? Yeah. So there's a glasses thing and I'm trying to, I'm trying to do it without glasses. Damn it. Stop trying harder. Yeah. You know, it's, it is. You gotta, it's yeah, trying right. differently. Yeah. I, think right. I mean, look, there's the time timer that's next to you. Yep. There's a time timer that I also have right here next yeah. to, to me. Yeah. Now, if I, when I'm sitting at my desk and facing the other way, I have that clock that's over there. Yeah. I have the, this uh, timer that's on my other timer that's on my desk. No, there is not a spot in my office where I don't see time. Yeah, I've been here two and a half hours. Are you kidding me? Is that how long you've been here for? Yeah. <laughs> this seems to happen when we get together, Kim. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think we came over uh, the other week to, to look at my uh, to look at the, the stuff in my yard. We're just gonna be a stop by, and yeah. we're standing there like it's getting dark and we're getting cold. <laughs> and we're still talking. It's <laughs> the other night after the the ADD meeting. It was, uh, we were there at what twelve o'clock midnight. We're done. Is we it? were. We yeah, were. We just yes, had a great chatting. time though. It was oh, awesome. My, it was. It was beautiful I, night. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think having time in your physical space, yeah. um, you know, for some people they have, you know, a, a chime that will go off every like half an hour. Yeah. Um, you know, I've heard people talk about, uh, I've worked with some, some older people, um, oh, way older than you, Kim. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we talk about how part of why yeah. they think that time awareness has sort of uh, escaped us is it used to be that we would have hourly chimes in every community and you were yeah. always aware of the time. Yeah. The, the, the churches yeah. are wonderful. I went back to South Dakota and we had the church that went off at the regular times. I actually remember when I, you know, I grew up in Highland Park and there was a church that actually did that and it was every hour it would strike yeah. how many, like, so about three o'clock right? it would be three chimes. Yeah. I remember like thinking that was really helpful. I didn't yeah. even know I had ADHD then. Right. Yeah. Yeah, those are, I think those are, uh, I think you're right. I've got an old, uh, I think they are, and can be helpful. If you can do it in the background where it becomes part of, and everybody ex ex accepts it, yeah. So yeah, there's, uh, um, we're pretty much out of time yeah, now, we've we? we got about five minutes around the time. Is there right? What other questions? Uh... All right, well, I'm going to just pose a question, which we're not going to fully answer, okay? So one of the things we do as ADDers, right, we live in the moment, it's a big part of who we are is we, we live in this moment of things and, and, um, which means that we don't necessarily, um, think in the future or sometimes we don't think in the past very much, but we live right now. And, um, <clears throat> so the question is, uh, ADDers and relationships and ADD and, and, and love, right? Uh, so, um, some of this is the guilt thing that if you've gone through a relationship, and, and you know, Eric, I've just finished off one that was really hard on me mm -hmm. um, uh, because she was an incredible woman. Uh, she's very smart, very aware. She's just, and she is, the, the, for me, the big part was she, um, uh, she raised my value set and my integrity set higher. Uh, that's, that's, it was really, and she, she also got me to go do things that I was probably would be just kind of hanging out. And she, uh, we've been with her five years, right? So, and I've had a couple of other people in my life and, and, uh, my first relationship, my marriage was 30 years. And I started talking to other, uh, ADDers and they, they've either had these super long relationships or they have serial relationships, like one or the other. Okay. So because of this concept of transition, transitioning times, and I'm going to keep it down to time, um, uh, transitions are an issue. 
whether we're getting out of bed or we're hyper-focusing or whatever it is we're doing, we don't go from this to the next thing very well. And I started thinking about this whole idea of transitioning uh, being difficult is also relationship transitioning uh, difficult for ADDers. And it's kind of like an open question more than, and it's, it's uh, we start talking about it, I'm just looking now at myself. I know that I've had a very difficult time both um, getting into a relationship the ones that are most important to me, I've held back on the most. Mm -hmm. And the ones that have been most important to me then, I've always been later at. I've never shown up on time. I've found out now that I can tell I'm in love with somebody by how late I am. You know? What the, the hell? The, the later you are, the more you like them? Yeah. It's, it's always something. And I do that with, I also do that with landscapes too, by the way. My really good customers, I'll hold that customer and I won't finish it because I'm not sure what that is. The ones I don't really care. Yeah, here it is. It's done. But now all of a sudden I don't necessarily finish the paperwork or the design to do the job. And I, they're my favorite people. I just, I, I don't know what that is. It's a, there's a transition. There's something about a, not wanting to lose. I don't know. I just don't know, but it's more important. That's when it happens. It's things that are important to me. Do you think that it's the, the fear that you might get feedback that makes you feel like you're not mm. enough? Good question. I, I don't know. I just think I, there's something about, I, I want to somehow, you know what? It's like my mom, she gets strawberries and she puts them in the refrigerator. She never eats them because they're wonderful. They're going to be special. So she wants to savor them at some point in time, you know, and they rot. Okay. And they become science it's, experiments. Yeah. <laughs> become science. So, you know, whatever she's got in there, that's really good. Or that, you know, a melon or whatever else we're eating at the house. I mean, it's just, it's just all of a sudden, well, it's going to be, um, it's going to be so special. I'll savor it. I'll wait for something. There's that waiting thing going on and I'm not doing it right now thing. So I don't really know what that is, but it's a transitional okay, wait. So with waiting, it made me think of, you know, when we think about rewards and what dopamine uh, oh, happens. Oh yeah. And, so the what research has shown is that the dopamine that we get from uh, from a reward uh -huh. is not actually doesn't actually we get yes we get dopamine from the reward itself right. but that's actually the smallest amount what we get the most amount of dopamine from is the anticipation of the reward okay okay yeah. I mean there like when I used to do uh, behavioral therapy with with you know, kids with autism and I'll do ABA mm -hmm. therapy I mean there was techniques even about how you deliver the reward even if it was like a lick of a lollipop I mean that's yeah. sort of how we did some of the therapies yeah yeah you sort of extend it you make it slow you give it to them like you hand it over really slowly yeah. it's that anticipation you sort of show some exaggerated excitement and you prolong it because um, uh, the anticipation of the reward is actually what what um, that really spikes that dopamine, which yeah. is what we're you know is we're we're sort of dopamine seeking. Or all mammals are dopamine right. seeking. We just don't regulate it real well. All right. Well, that's interesting because it's that uh, retraction of dopamine, right? That causes the physical pain. I mean, this is when you are in a heart breakup. Um, it's there when you look at the same set of numbers and the same things that are happening in the brain, all the other magic stuff that's happening. And, and I did a series of articles on this, uh, uh that was talking about or studying the, uh, um, of course they were really deep. They were white page articles. Who reads that shit? Right. You, you know, you, you wrote them. No, I was, I was reading these oh, white okay. page, you know, these, you know, how you get 50, 60 pages, some guy who's, he's, he's make finishing his uh, degree or something on it. So he writes a white, White page, mm -hmm. right? Uh, I, I read some white paper. Sorry, white paper. 
Um, and, the, and the degree of impact of, uh, of a heartbreak is on the same level as cocaine, alcoholism, all these other things outside of there. So is that an addictive personality that's then uh, coming back? I don't know. I'm just trying to figure that out. Are, are, are ADDers any more subject to addiction yes. than others? Yes, absolutely. Oh, crap. <laughs> really? Yes. We, we do know that, that, that people with ADHD have a much higher tendency um, and there's much more addiction in the, the ADHD population as compared to those without. Now, the, the, one of the reasons why it's so important to treat ADHD with medication is because it decreases those uh, the, the likelihood of, of addiction and engaging in addiction-based oh. behaviors. Interesting. Okay, so there it could be that connection that I was trying to search out is why, uh, and I've seen others that I'm now identifying as and, uh, my mother is very much connected when she's connected to me or whatever. She's, she's very passionate about something. She, it's very difficult for her to give things up. Mm. Uh, whether it's people she loves, my father, my stepfather, uh, whether it's she has a, a missed opportunity or it's, a, uh, it's something she, you know, uh, there's a lot of shoulds that go on at that moment in time. Yeah. Right. And so uh, that boils down to, uh, so there's some addictiveness to it. And that, it's the physical pain of losing somebody, right? Mm. I mean, and there is such a thing as, as love addiction, right? Um, you know, which is a real thing. I mean, there's, there's, um, and there are 12 step groups specifically for that. Wow. Um, and I mean, it is, it's a real thing. And there's, there's love addiction, there's sex addiction, there's, um, where people who, like, they feel like they need to be in a relationship all the time, or it's this like compulsion. Like they feel like they, they're not complete if they're not. Right. So it's um, and it certainly is a magic that nature gave us, so that we'd be able to stick with the kids until they're twelve years old, and they can be on their own, right? So that's the whole point of a relationship addiction to each other is that you're now can raise genetically your children. Same thing that allowed us as hunters to go out there and save our family because we can well, you know, it's scan and to, then. Right? I think it's important to to distinguish the difference between an addiction and mm. and a drive. Right. Uh, you know, an instinctual right. drive is what helps us stay alive as a, as a species. Right. You know, addiction right. by definition is causing impairment. Right. Right. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's a genetic. Uh, yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, it's brain says cells gone wild, huh? <laughs> so it could be another new uh, idea for a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Brain cells go wild. I think since starting this podcast, I've had maybe six or seven ideas for other podcasts. And every time I come up with them, I say, it's a good idea, but I'm not doing it. Yeah. But I'm not doing it. I have to say no. I have to so, you know, I, I almost want to share the ideas that I've had for the uh, for my other podcast. Um, but may who knows? You know, I could maybe you know spawn. Write them fire. down and put them in a the box. You keep on talking about. Put in a uh, you know, put in a six month email, right? There you go. You know. Are there any other strategies that you're continuing to use from the, that you learned in the coaching group? Yeah, actually there is. I mean, I think uh, part of the biggest things from the coaching group side has been um, uh, the use of, of partners and, and uh, people that will keep me on tent and, and being more verbal about it. So, and, uh, uh, and making sure, absolutely sure that I don't get offended by them uh, uh, checking up on me because it's been such a sensitive thing in the past is, well, yeah, I'm getting there, uh, and then shutting somebody out. I think that's mm -hmm. a that's a big thing. Um, I remember, and we'll wrap this up here. Uh, I remember when we, it was probably the first few years where you really like the whole notion of you gotta write stuff down. 
Oh yeah. You know, I love the method that you use, the the finger method. Oh <laughs> <laughs> how's that going for you, Cam? You said using the finger method. It works sometimes. <laughs> you know, it's it's there. It's I mean, even when we were going for that uh, the walk, right before yeah. we started this, you, you took a phone call and you said on the call that all right, so we'll put that on the uh the, the yeah. agenda for, for Tuesday. For Tuesday. Yeah. And you put your phone back in your pocket and I just yeah. look at you. I'm like, so Kim, are you gonna write that down? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Yeah. You know, realize my colorful linguistics have getting more and more powerful as we go along here, right? It's just, uh, so I, well, the, the finger sh- the method does kind of work sometimes, but you get past three and you lose it. It's, but it, and it's the idea, just because you can yeah. use the finger method right. of, of trying to remember those three points. It's what because, I would do is I would remember those three things. I wouldn't yeah. remember what they were. Yeah. Well, there's, and that's that whole part of that exercising. Well, I know if I exercise enough, I can do this. And but for the people who don't know what the finger method is, I, I, I've got like four fingers, my thumb will touch each one will supposed to be a memory, kind of like tying a, a string on your finger. Okay. So if I touch it and, and I'll go down the line and I'll be on one, two, three, four. If I can remember there's four things, at least I'll try and remember that I had four things. Otherwise I'll forget that I had things to remember. But you know, the string on the finger, all I would know is that I was supposed to remember something. Yeah, I know. I would need to have that string attached to something I can write on. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I, so I, we have dry erase markers on our fingers. We can write down little stuff on the inside, three-digit parts. But I think you've come a long way in acceptance. Yeah, uh, you know that's been the bigger. Uh, I think that's that's your real story. Is this um, uh, starting to um, accept the strengths for the for the great strength they are, and and the the beauty of what they are as an individual that's unique and different from others, but we're actually taking it and uh, taking that and going forward with it, and instead of trying to compare to the uh, the others, and so it's that whole Einstein thing of of uh, don't judge a tree, uh, don't judge a fish by how well he can climb the tree. Uh, I think we need to look at that ourselves, and that shame thing going away, uh, uh, you know, letting that relax, and, and realizing that shame in itself is a great strength. Just don't bury yourself in it, right? So I think wherever, wherever you are on the journey of, of having ADHD, yeah. um, there's always a better way. Right, and yeah. part of, uh, of that process of identifying a better way is recognizing that you're actually really great the way you are and you just got to start by acknowledging that and seeing that you know someone gives you a compliment you know it's say thank you even when it feels uncomfortable say thank you that one still gives me the willies but i agree with it yeah you know and and the more you do it the easier it gets and then that becomes your narrative that becomes your self-worth finally because that's the big that's the whole thing about the shame thing is self-worth yeah that's right oh and it's that idea that um, you know, quoting Brene Brown, no matter what we got done or didn't get done, at the end of the day, we're still worthy of love and belonging. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Kim, I'm so happy that you were able to come here and, uh, and truly actually bail me out a little bit because I was afraid I was going to be out of episodes when I, when I went to the Chad conference. Mm-hmm. So thank you for doing this. But we <laughs> have been wanting to do this because yeah. I was, you know, I was looking through my calendar this morning and I was, um, while I was shaving, yeah. and I said, Oh no! Like we actually call Kim, see if he he can uh, come yeah. over today and, and do this. So thank yeah, we you. chat for hours out here. So this is all yeah. good. So uh, to to the, all your podcast people that listen and stuff like that, uh, uh, you know, thank you guys for listening and supporting uh, Eric out on this on this journey that he's on and uh, helping reach out to the tribe and uh, to the people that I I'm getting shakes and willies as I'm sharing this art because it really is important uh, for me to to let other people know how how important this has been and 
And, uh, you know, this, this 10 week program that you did this, I was on, I mean, is, you know, I'm still talking to Chuck. I'm still talking. It's, it's these different people that we are, um, accountability partners have been with. I mean, this is life changing major stuff. Uh, you know, Lisa and Callie and, and, uh, the different ladies there, it's just been, so I know you've, uh, you've made a difference in a good, positive way. And thank, uh, you. thank you for that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. All right. Uh, any final thoughts? Or that was that it? I think that's it, dude. Yeah. You know, starting is the hardest part. Stopping is also the hardest part. Mm. And I know you can't have too hardest part, but it's my show, so yes, you can. This has been Eric Tivers, and I want to thank you for listening, and congratulations for making it to the end. ADHD Rewired is more than just a podcast. We are a community focused on learning, growing, and connection. The website is ADHDrewired.com. You can find summaries and additional resources for each episode, learn more about the ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Group, and more. It's all at ADHDrewired.com. Don't just be a passive listener. Be an active member of the community. Submit your request to join our free and growing community on Facebook. Watch for a message from me on Facebook because I screen everyone before they come in the group. Podcasts do change lives. You can make a difference in someone's life by spreading the word about this podcast. Share it online or share it with a friend. If you're a member of Chad or any other ADHD support group, let people know about this show. And if you really loved this episode, please hit share on your podcast player. One of the biggest things you can do to support this podcast and help other people discover it is to leave an honest rating and a review on iTunes or Stitcher. If you can't figure out how to do it, message me on Facebook or through my website and I'll be happy to walk you through it. Looking for more ways to listen and learn? Get a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial at Audible by using my affiliate link at audibletrial.com slash ADHD Rewired. Not sure where to start? Start with Brene Brown's The Gift of Imperfections or her six-hour recorded workshop, The Power of Vulnerability. This is Eric Tivers reminding you that when you spend time to plan, you will save time that you could spend later. Until next time.